Welcome to episode 569 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 569 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Bevan, I've just had a fry up from uh, Dr. Feelgood Dave Dwan. I had my bacon and my eggs and some mushrooms and finished that off with the English muffin with some peanut butter on top. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. Oh, mate, mate. And, and, and more, more importantly, congratulations. Race win. Race win. Race win. Hey, we'll be talking about this later in the show, but. I hadn't picked you. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Confidence, Well, Well, we'll be talking definitely all about later on. Okay, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athletics.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And these include... You go first, John. James, the trawler slave. We've got Richard, the Prince of Darkness, Osborne. Flower Power Nadine Voice. I actually saw her doing the Christchurch Marathon, or maybe half or four, because of what she was doing yesterday. But we've also got Sean, the Big Dipper Bonsell. So these are patrons of the show. If you want to be a patron, you go to www.imtalk.me, and it's all pretty obvious on the website. Guys, in this week's show, we've got some news. Are we doing a discussion? We are. We've got, uh, we will just do what we had a couple of weeks ago. So we've got a live discussion there, and it's a good one. Okay, uh, then we're going to have an A. Oh, let's have a look here. Are you going to do an age group of the week? Have you, have you not edited this bit? I don't think you've I edited. have. You, you have not refreshed your page. That's oh. the issue. When do, okay, I'll refresh my page then. Wait a second. You tell me what's on the show, John. I'll refresh my page. We're going to have news. We're going to have discussion of the week. We're going to have Coach's Corner. We're going to have a race report from me from the Kona 70.3. We're going to do a bit of a camp update from the Epic Camp Light we had over here and a couple of interviews with some of the athletes. We'll have Wanger of the Week. There's controversy in Wanger of the Week. And, uh, you were not happy, were you? I, was, I thought I'd finally made it to the top of one of the leaderboards and uh, got thwarted. Uh, and a couple of questions and answers at the end. I think we might be having a what's the hell this week. I tell you what, we got a lot of emails from people saying John's not going to be happy. I'm happy, but I'm not happy. Okay, let's so we get had, into it. We had, so it was over, over, over a week ago now, we had Ironman Brazil, and Tim Don absolutely Domination. drilled it. That, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a performance like that in terms of a, a, a real surprise package. You know, we know when like someone like Frodo is going to go to Rote, he's going to tear it up and probably do a course record. And I think we probably discussed this a few weeks ago, you know, who's racing here. And we would have said, you know, Tim Don and probably Brent McMahon and Nico Lanos. I think I was picking him to get on the podium. He DNF'd, as did Brent McMahon. But Tim Don, if you guys haven't heard the news, your head's been in the sand. Uh, 4.06 on the bike. So he swam at 44, he rode 4.06 and ran 2.44 for the second fastest iron distance of all time yeah. uh, of a 7.40.23. Winning by 25 minutes. Awesome. Oh, absolutely incredible. I mean, it's a good performance by Kyle Buckingham in second place with an 8.05 and Igor Amarelli in third and 8.06, but 7.40 
23 with a 406 solo effort on the bike is just astounding and did not see that coming at all because we know Tim Don's a quality athlete, quality 70.3 athlete, former world champion short course athlete, has done really well with his Ironman races so far. He won Mallorca on debut, I think it was, uh, and he had a 15th, I think it was, in Kona last year. So he's done well, but but you'd more think, yeah, you'd think he's an ITU guy. He's going to be always going to be a great swimmer. He's usually going to be a pretty good runner, and we'll kind of see what happens on the bike. And thus far, he hasn't really shown us that he's any sort of weapon on the bike. But that is a legendary performance. Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? Because it's, it was a bit like Frodo's, where it was just a solo effort the whole way. Mm. And one thing I would say is, is Torsten on his uh, tryrating.com, apparently sometimes in down there, and I don't want to take anything away from, yeah, I hear, yeah, I hear from this um, because it's an awesome performance, but so it sounded like sometimes down there in Brazil that the, the lead vehicle is maybe a little bit close and things like that. So people are trying to nip away at him, and, but I think we've just got to celebrate what is an amazing, amazing effort. And it is the second fastest time of all time. We have uh, Frodo's time and John Leveson does a great job on yeah. try 247 with his sub eight eight sub eight hour Ironman triathletes and he keeps that really updated and so Fredino's still first in 735 and wrote last year Tim Don is now second with a 740 Andreas Raylert's third with 741 Lionel Sanders is fourth with a 744 and Reno is fifth with his uh, 745 in uh, Klagenfurt in 2011 so yeah that's where Tim Don sits. Do you think this gives I know Tim Don's a great athlete. Um, does it, does it then do you then start to go shit? He can win Kona. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I just didn't pick him to be a, a biker of any massive pedigree, but he's kind of done a bit like what Fredino did. You know, Fredino when he first came in, he w- wasn't setting the world on fire on the bike. He was certainly good and steady, but you you know he's going to come through on the run. But Tim Don, yes, he, he must. I read a, a little report that he's started working with a, a guy who's a time trial sort of coach over in the UK or, or remotely as, long, as well as his coach, Julie Dibbins. And uh, maybe that, that's made the, the breakthrough for him on the bike in terms of, you know, learning how to get down there and just TTing. And he was solo by the sounds of it the whole way. So that is, uh, yeah, Phenomenal. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Uh, Gill side of the race? <clears throat> Gill side of things. We had some good, really good solid races. Um, we had um, three girls go under the nine-hour barrier, and fourth and fifth were, were 901s as well. Bloody close racing between fourth, fifth, and sixth. It was 901.00, 901.13, and 901.44 between uh, third and sixth place. So some uh, some close racing. And we've got to remember this was a championship race. Susie Cheatham took it out in 8.52 um, from Sonia Tysik in 8.57 and Hayley Chura in 8.58. And I think that's probably a bit of a breakthrough race for her. She's always been a champion swimmer and, um, and then sort of often fades away she's i think she's led out of kona before um but 858.45 is a solid effort uh, would we say brazil is the weakest of the championship races oh that's pretty they had a pretty decent start let's see you just had guys like andreas raylert who didn't he you know finished in 15th place ran a 345 and finished in 902 um and you'd have brent mcmahon there paul matthews on, on the face of it the start list was pretty good the finish 
results, um, yeah, you wouldn't say is super strong. But I'd say the same thing about um, I mean Ken's coming up this weekend. Yeah, not not the strongest fields. It's mm, interesting, isn't it? Uh, but interesting. We, maybe one day when we get back from our trip away, we should do a kind of rank the championship races because it's kind of you know obviously you're going to go Kona. Germany probably second, but you know what's what's kind of happening after that because this is definitely a championship kind of feel, but it isn't a Germany. You know what I mean? So mm. it'd be really interesting to kind of think about if you were to kind of rank them out. Okay, we had some other races happening, and we had the championship racing, uh, the challenge, the championship race, and Sanders and Charles took it out, and it was pretty good racing. I actually watched. I kind of briefly watched it. I kind of went oh, on, yeah. yeah, watched bits of it throughout <laughs> the race. Uh, Brownlee just kind of wasn't there on the run, which is unfortunate because he just killed the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he only had, only had a 40-second lead by the sound of it off the bike, but still to be able to hold off. Yeah. And, is, um, and Kenley is, is still a solid effort. But, yeah, the reports, I didn't see any of it, but the reports just said he just flaked out pretty pretty quickly on the run. So he's, he certainly doesn't look – I mean, we had that amazing performance in St. George, but I wouldn't say he looks uh, just, you know, Incredible thus far, and you know maybe a little bit flaky, but it's early days. So yeah. um, if he gets this, gets himself together, and, and maybe this was part of his plan was to have a good hard swim bike and and uh, and just cruise it. He has got uh, ITU Leeds race next uh, next weekend, so maybe he had one eye on that. Um, who knows? You know, it, it may have been part of the plan, but I, I doubt part of his plan was pulling out. Maybe he's got a niggle and an injury he doesn't want to upset, but. Um, yeah, it was apparently fantastic racing. Apparently, the 20 meter draft rule worked um, very, very well. I was somewhat surprised. I thought Richard Murray would do um, a lot better than he did, uh, especially on the run. He only uh, ran comparable times to Keenlay and Sanders, uh, and he's you know we've seen how much of a weapon he was earlier in the year. He's clearly got good endurance, but um, they just drilled him on the bike. So. Yeah, Lionel Sanders took it out. He was thrilled with it. He had a real ding-dong battle with Sebastian Keenlay out there, uh, and so I think he was really satisfied. Keenlay was second, and Michael Raylert was in third. Uh, Andreas Streit's fourth, and Richard Murray only managed fifth. So, yeah, good, strong field. Yeah, and um, Sanders actually said there was a couple of times in the race where he thought he kind of conceded the race to Sebastian. So it was a real, you know, obviously Sanders got it closer to the end, but it was, you know, they had a good fight. It was really cool. Because you're kind of getting off the bike, they were pretty much together once they passed Brownlee, and you kind of thought Sanders would go on and win it quite comfortably. But, you know, Sebastian definitely made him fight for it. It was, it was pretty cool racing. It was good to see that the championship race was a good quality race as well. You know, pretty strong field. <laughs> you know, if we, talk, if we are talking about championship fields, well, it, it's the level of... Not an Ironman Kona, but in a championship Ironman race. Mm. Oh yeah, no, I'd say you know you'd say Kona probably gets the best, or does get the best field. You'd say seventy point three worlds probably gets the next best field, but yeah. I would say this is is only just below that. I'd yeah. say the depth, the depth of the seventy point three world champs is possibly uh, and is a bit stronger, but still here, you know, you've got Lionel Sanders and Keenlay who are, you know, you'd say are two of the top five guys in the world. Yeah. Ray Luton on his day is one of the best seventy point three athletes as well. You got one of the top ITU athletes in Richard Murray, um, and you had Brownlee there as well. So yeah. that's a high quality field. Uh, we saw some great racing on the girls' side as well. Uh, there was all sorts of lead changes late in the run. Lucy Charles took it out. She led the swim and came back on the run with a one hour 25 to nip past Annabelle Luxford right at the death and uh, did four hours 13.59 and was uh, just over 30 seconds in front of Annabelle Luxford. But Heather Wurtle was actually leading late in the run and it sounded like she was going to you know, walk away with it. But she uh, had some 
you know, just slowed down a bit on the run. The other girls came through. <coughs> Rachel Kramer was uh, fourth. She's an ITU athlete, and um, Ellie Salthouse was fifth. So, yeah, again, really good, strong field when you've got people like Anya Baranek back in seventh and uh, Radka Vitakova only in tenth. Um, so that sounds like they did a great job. That venue sounds like it's um, sensational. What I'd love to hear as well is, is what the experience was like for the age groupers and whether they had a lot. So we can clearly see they had a good pro race, but what was it like for the age groupers and is this going to be something that's going to take off? The crowds didn't look massive, but that might have just been the fact that it was in a, in a different kind of location. Um, but, yeah, to me, you, you don't want to get bigger crowds in a championship race. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Just one comment: Sanders did say he will go to Kona if he thinks he can make the second pick after the swim. So that's that's a big big call. It is. Um, so he he swam twenty four forty seven uh, as only one second behind um, Sebastian Keenlay. So yeah, I think that's his his gripe is he doesn't want to go to Kona unless he can be a contender, and I don't think he feels like he can be a contender unless he comes out in the swim. If he comes out solo and completely misses all the groups, then it sounds like he's not that interested. But if he's uh, if he thinks he can be in the hunt, then clearly his swimming is uh, is improving. And man, that dude can he's bike tough. and run with pretty pretty much anyone. And he's a tough bugger, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Okay, so to come out this weekend, we've got another championship race. We've got the Australasian Championship, Ironman Cairns is happening. And, and again, pretty good field. Pretty good field. Um, so I'm just uh, pulling it up right now. Uh, I think we've got Tim Van Berkel is uh, seated uh, in first place. And we've got Cam Brown heading over there. So those two have had some pretty good races on this uh, course. You've also got David Dallow, uh, Braden Curry. I think he will be the man to beat if he can match his Ironman New Zealand performance. He was, uh, I wouldn't say he's untouchable there, but he was very, very strong. So yeah. if he can replicate that, I think he will be the man to beat. Uh, but yeah, good strong field. Jeff Simons, who won the, the championship race down there in Melbourne a few years ago. Freddie Cronenberg is uh, always there or thereabouts. But how many how many guys we got there? We've got about 30, 35 odd guys. Um, others like Luke Bell in there. Um, Richie Nichols, Clayton Fatale will probably lead out of the swim. Uh, so it should be a good, good, strong race on the girls' side of things. You got Lindsay Corbin, although I think she raced uh, last weekend in Brazil, so I don't think we'll see her there. Um, Sarah Pampiano, who was uh, has had top tens in Kona. Uh, the girls' side, I'd say, is a little bit weaker. Uh, Torsen says the girls is 18% of a typical Kona field, and oh, the guys is only 19%. So. Um, well, when you think about it, how many top match. five Kona guys have we got here? We've got really... Oh, n- n- none, really. Yeah. So, yeah. say, Burkle's, uh, is more, I would say, more of a top tenner, possibly up to top five. Um, Braden Curry don't, hasn't hasn't done it yet, but those are the only two that I think have been in the top five. Cameron Brown hasn't been there for, for quite some time. No, so, yeah, so again, interesting discussion around the level. We've also got Ironman Boulder coming up as well. We have indeed, um, and I'm two seconds behind you, Bevan. I'll be there. Uh, Tim O'Donnell, is Tim, Tim O'Donnell, Tyler Butterfield, Tim Don. Although I doubt he'll be racing, but if he is, he is. Uh, yeah. Who else got there? Justin Just, Deere, Jason Moser, uh, Major. Trip. This is a great name. Uh, Trip Apple. Oh, that's gold. <laughs> That's gold. Go Trip Apple. Number seventeen. Give him a good cheer. He's out there. Trip Apple. Nice. Uh, Joycey's making her return. That'll be interesting to see how she goes, if she can recapture her uh, the glory days. She's and, had a few 70.3s. And it's not a big um, female field, but there is, it's, there's a few big hitters here. 
yeah, well, Heather Jackson, you know, she's uh, on the podium last year in Kona. Yeah. So her, that'll be a, a really good litmus test for Rachel Joyce to see if she's back to her best or, or, or still building back into it. So she'll um, likely have a pretty decent lead on Heather Jackson coming out of the swim. So Rachel Joyce is expected to come out around the 53-minute mark. Uh, Heather Jackson's predicted to come out around about one hour. So uh, that could be interesting racing. Looking forward to seeing how Joycey goes. Okay, also some other news just on the, on the news front. John, is that Challenge Wanaka is going to be moving to a pro half-distance race and it'll be the New Zealand Half Distance Championship every second year. So does this mean that the pro long distance race, I haven't actually read into this, does this mean the long distance race no longer has a pro? Yes, exactly. Okay. So there will still be a long distance iron race at Challenge Monica, but it will be age group only, and then the pros will race over the half distance race. So I think the outcome for this is you're probably going to get quite a bigger, better pro field mm. racing um, because that is, a lot of them will use that as preparation for Ironman New Zealand. It's t- sort of two to three weeks before. Yeah. So if you're, if you're a foreign athlete, you're thinking, okay, I get two bites at, at racing down in New Zealand rather than just doing one. Uh, and so I think they'll, they'll probably do better on that front. Uh, I, I think most people are kind of in agreement that it's going to take quite a bit away from the iron distance race, and, uh, and that may affect their numbers going forward. Um, uh, you know, there is the appeal when you're out there doing the same course as the pro athletes. You can understand what they're going through. It gives the race, um, I don't know, a bit more prestige. Uh, so I, I kind of, I think myself and a lot of people worry about what's going to happen to the long course race long term. Yeah, like does that does this the kind of the beginning of the end for the long course is an interesting question. I suppose we'll have to wait and see what happens over the next few years. But it's also going to be the New Zealand Championship. So where, where, where do they normally do them? Oh, they just alternate it uh, with uh, what's going to happen now. This is, I know this is purely Kiwi news, but we're Kiwis, so we'll talk about it. Uh, traditionally, it's always held up in Tauranga at the Port of Tauranga Half Ironman, and from now on, it's going to alternate between okay. Tauranga and, and Wanaka, which I think will be a great thing, and that will help them get a bigger field. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, also, the, probably the biggest piece of news outside of race results this week is Wanda or Ironman have bought Competitor Group. So Competitor Group do the magazines, but they also own a lot of races, and so they've got the Rock and Roll Marathon series, which is a hugely successful series, has over six hundred thousand athletes each year racing, uh, and just quite a successful little business. And so, Wanda have actually bought that. I, I wouldn't it, call it. I wouldn't call it a little business. Oh, yeah, true, not a little business. <laughs> they, were, they were sold, and then we don't know the numbers for how much it sold for this time. But in two thousand and twelve, competitor was sold for two hundred and sixty million. So yeah, it's not a little business. But so obviously. Wanda just continues on and on acquiring other businesses, really, doesn't it? Mm, so my fear initially when I heard this a um, couple of days ago was <clears throat> it's going to become, you know, I, I initially thought competitor group, I thought magazines, it's just going to become a PR propaganda machine in terms of just promoting um, Ironman branded races and I was getting a little bit fired up about that thinking it's going to be, you know, make it even harder and harder for independent races, for challenge races, et cetera, to get any sort of leverage in the in some of the main media outlets. But then when you read into it in a bit more detail, it kind of sounds like Andrew Messick and, and the Ironman group or Wanda uh, don't really want to be in the media game in terms of they got rid of the Lava magazine and they're kind of staying out of that. So the predictions that, that some people are making is they 
they're doing this purely for the events and getting more numbers, uh, and they may even divest the you know the the publications and 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 on sell them to somebody else. So hopefully that does happen. So we still do have some you know, independent, unbiased um, publications out there that uh, give all races and, and uh, a bit of coverage rather than just seeing uh, Ironman in the news the whole time. Yeah, because the thing is, is that, you know, when, when WCT, well, when Ironman last 10 years, you know, Ironman races haven't really grown hugely in the last period. And there seems to be the strategy is to open up buying, you know, it's more kind of acquisition of other businesses really, it seems to be how they're growing. Although I did see that they're going to start introducing 5k runs to their races now for the supporters, kind of like what Challenge does. So they're kind of introducing it. So they are looking for ways to innovate within the world they kind of are experienced in, but it definitely seems that their strategy is just take over endurance sport really. Mm. Oh, they're, event, they're an events company and um, I just hope that we keep some unbiased media out there and uh yeah and give all the races some good coverage so let's see what happens mm. well it's interesting what happens to running how this affects running races mm. like what's what's the influence of wonder sport on big running events it's, you know it'll be interesting because like rock and roll marathon is a pretty successful brand and they're pretty good at what they're doing so what are they going to add or what does it what does it hurt in that regards to this Running I, th- I think their uh, their next strategy is going to be buying running groups, and I think extra mile runners is on their radar. And, I'll, take, uh, I'll, I'll take 260 million any day, mate. I tell you, come come talk to go. me, Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John, you want to have an ITU update first, and then I think there uh, might be a rant. Yep, yeah, no, just. Uh, this weekend is Leeds coming up. It'll be quite interesting to see how Alistair Brownlee goes because he's racing there. I think him and Johnny are kind of the patrons of the race and really pushing it. It'll be interesting to see if he's now been doing these half-distance races, whether or not he can actually step up and still be competitive over over an Olympic distance. So, uh, yeah, watch that space this weekend coming up. Just, just, I know this is a kind of random question, but what's happening with terrorism lately? Do we think this is a concern for the sport? Oh God, we're going a bit bloody off topic here, aren't we? I don't think so. Well, it's but it's an interesting. It's like you know, like I'm going to France next well, week. Well, actually, I tell you, what, some some things can be. I, I bumped into a guy at, at the race at the weekend, and this is not terrorism, but I suppose in some ways you, it, it's sort of linked together. He said, "Oh, yeah, I was going to come down to New Zealand. I was going to go and do the seventy point three, but you had uh, this is this year. Yep. Then I saw that earthquake, and I cancelled it." And he didn't even look into it any further in terms of the earthquake was nowhere near where Taupo 70.3 is. But it was just, he saw earthquake, New Zealand, put two and two together and decided I'm not going. Well, it's just really interesting because we've got friends who are are big travellers and they don't want to go to Europe right now because of, you know, now proportionate to really how bad it is in comparison to all of Europe. But, you know, we're going to the French Open tennis final next week. And I have to say... You're going to the final? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hell, that's a bit of a big ticket item. You know what? No, we're, we're well. Not that I want to sound like a sexist pig, but we're going to the females final and the doubles men's. Uh, it was only like a hundred euro. It was and oh, for okay. pretty decent seats. I was because we saw it was on. I was like, you know what? Let's let's see because it's a once in a lifer, and we thought we might be willing to pay a little bit, you know. And so we went online. We managed to pick it up. I think it was one hundred and twenty-five euro each. So it's actually pretty mm. pretty decent. But anyway. Um, you know, and you have to admit, it's in the back of your mind a little bit. And like, let's look at Challenge Wrote this, you know, coming up. You know, like it's massive crowds, it's lots of people. It's, you know, for someone in that world who wants to do harm to others, they are looking for those types of things. And so I wonder, like for me, it doesn't bother me at all. I think 
Mm. I'm going to live my life and I always think that with tourism, if I change my life, they win. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And I'm not also going to let it really worry me as I'm living in the experience. But there are people out there who will stay away from things like the guy you talked about there. Mm. And, and I wonder what effect they will have on big events where there are – because let's say – let's look at triathlon – it's really hard to do great security around a race that goes for 180, you know, for mm. how far we go. So, you know, it's just an interesting thing to think about in the sport right now. Would it stop you? No, absolutely not. No way at all. No. no. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't go and do a triathlon in Syria, um, but uh, anywhere else. Syrian classic. <laughs> yeah, the, the Syrian, Interna- and Syrian International. But elsewhere in the world, absolutely nothing. No. Yeah. No, no qualms whatsoever. Just keep living your life, team. Okay, guys, John's. What the hell is going on? Oh, Bevan, where do I start? Yeah, well, the worst thing is, we've just about gotten over. We've kind of just. Because <laughs> there, was, there were quite a few weeks where I'm thinking to myself, as you're ranting, I'm like, and people love your rant on this topic. And I was thinking, okay, I think we've, we've, we've touched on the subject enough. And just as we move past it, what happens, John? Tim Dom has an amazing performance, and it is the second fastest time of all time over iron distance and then out come the wheelbarrows rolling them out <laughs> tim don set a new world iron man record and i just what what annoys me so much i'm just embarrassed for the media and for sponsors and what have you to just go making these claims and it's just complete bullshit I just, there we go come I on john no, I'm just – I'm a bit over it myself. I'm just – when it rolled out, I thought, God, that's an awesome performance. And now I've got a day uh, – it feels like it's Tim Don slagging day, but it's uh, it's not. It's the, the people that are reporting on it. And some of them are educated, and I'm just looking at you going – I'm not saying educated. I mean, some of them have been around the triathlon tracks for quite a while. And I'm just thinking, what the hell is going on? You can't recognize what is an actual record. I think uh, – John Levison does a great job on on yeah, Try Two Four Seven, but elsewhere, um, yeah, I don't know. I th- I I am getting a bit over it, so I'm not going to go on and on and on. What disappointed me this week is when sponsors and things like that started wheeling it out as well, and yeah, just disappointing. John, very disappointing. You're not angry. You're just disappointed. I am very disappointed. Anybody that's claimed it's an Ironman world record, I'm disappointed in you. Yep. Magazine sponsors. You can kind of get like because everyone was giving Matt Liado a bit of crap because he was commentating at the race. Now, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's foolish, but you can kind of get why an Ironman race are going to say that. Hmm. Yeah. And I understand that. If it's Ironman, I understand what they're doing. It's more outside of that that, that really gets me fired yeah. up. John, you weren't angry enough to be honest. I, I was. I know. You know, well, we I did have a week. Yeah, a week. You know. Yeah. And based course. on what we're going to talk about later, it's quite a positive moment in your life right now. So obviously you're seeing everything with a bit of, bit of sunshine behind it. Exactly. Okay, John, let's talk about a sponsor. Extreme Endurance. I've survived this week on my Extreme Endurance tablets, and it's been great. Haven't really had uh, much muscle soreness at all. Um, you know, day after our race today, just a little bit tender in a few places, but it's worked a treat. One of the products that I did test run this week on a couple of occasions that worked really, really well is the Fuel 5 Plus. So it's, you know, it's basically a, a sports drink, but it's not as sweet and it's got different sort of carbohydrate sources to your standard sports drinks. But the difference with the Fuel 5 and the Fuel 5 Plus is you've got caffeine in it. And so what I thought I'd do is when we're doing the Ironman bike course, I thought, right, we're going to ride um, all the way to Harvey. So that's halfway. It's about 90 k's uh, or 95 k's. And then I'll pop some of that. And from Harvey, you have this long sort of 
staircase downhill back to the Queen K, and uh, so I thought I'll take it at the top, and by the time I get to the, the Queen K, hopefully it's sort of kicked in, the caffeine's kicked in, and I'll be able to, my plan was to try to ride the whole um, of the Queen K back with, uh, with good Ironman sort of power. And uh, I was feeling a bit rubbish, to be honest, uh, up at Harvey, and going, oh, God, this is going to be a bit of a drag. And I felt pretty crappy coming all the way down um, down Harvey, and I'm going, oh, God, I've got to try to do an Ironman effort here. And I was really fired up and focused for it, but I was like, oh, my legs aren't feeling very good. But took the Fuel 5, nothing was happening. I was rolling down from Harvey going, this is, how am I, this is not going to work for me. Got onto the Queen K, and it was time to fire up. And uh, within a couple of minutes, sort of kicked in, and I was away. And it had a, you know, that caffeine in it just really lifted my alertness levels, had really good energy. And, uh, and it was one of those cases where I was having to dial back my effort in terms of the numbers that I was sort of producing. Calm so, down, Charlie Brown, he was saying. It's, it's exactly what I was saying. Now, as, it, as we progressed down the Queen K, um, things did start to unravel, but it wasn't from a energy perspective it was more my head was exploding with heat and I was just uh, radiating I don't know 500 bloody degrees off my skin each time that I sort of pulled into an aid station I was actually able to get my core temperature down then um, I was away again and and, and power was really good so I used it on a couple of occasions and it really gave me that caffeine lift I didn't have to pop a, a caffeine tablet and also in terms of the the fuel 5 formulation um, it's just it was a lot it wasn't it's not really a sweet flavor I was having it quite diluted um, but it was just a bit more refreshing and just not that sweet sugariness and then it had the caffeine in it so it worked really well for me nice nice so if you want so to get onto it, it team go to xendurance.com uh, they've got great products on there and as John's saying these type of things are just all about making you a better athlete and it worked for John this week because he, he killed it so there you go Check remember it out. the promo code I'm talk 20 Okay, guys, if you want to go, well, last week's discussion, we're not going to have one this week moving forward because the next four shows are kind of already pre-recorded. I've actually pretty much done and dusted them. But what we did talk about is John's going to be doing Epic Camp France again, isn't it? Yeah, I've got Epic Camp France in 2019. um, And I was just sort of thinking of a few different ideas on things we can do. And uh, we had some great suggestions. Okay, Matt Young, Young, who I've just uh, dropped off at the airport, he was saying a Super League triple mix, but double the distance for each round. So round one, you have a 300-meter swim, 6K bike, 2K run, which is what they use in the Super League format. Round two, you go run 4K, bike 12K, and swim 600. And then round three, you bike 20 4k swim 1200 and run 8k it's a gold suggestion that one the only and we've had a couple of suggestions around um doing sort of formats like this the only challenge is is a having an, an open water swim venue which is warm enough to be able to do that and b having a bike course that's really easy to manage with epic campers who traditionally go the wrong way um unless uh, unless you have something very very straightforward but that's a good idea and like it's got just take your weakest discipline and plan a double long session and so for me it would be a 4k swim in the morning rest recover and then another 4k set in the afternoon in between sets it's a full recovery huge confidence booster Oh, Arnold Sulikov starting the day with a 3.8k swim, 90k bike and 21k trail run, I think he's meaning, a one hour break and then do an Olympic distance uh, format, one hour break and then do a sort of shorter distance format and then have pizza and donuts. Good old Louis, Di, how do you say his last name, Giuseppe? Di Giuseppe. Di Giuseppe, a hotel pool swim somewhere in Canada, max point swim. Uh, now there must be a story here. 
Yeah, inside joke. Louis Louis did uh, like a three k swim in a like a fifteen to twenty meter oh, really? pool Probably in, 10 in Lake, Lake Louise, <laughs> and uh, that was that was stretching the uh, the committee in terms of uh, allocating points on that one. As does Peter Mills, uh, bionic man. He asked for a duathlon because he swims like a brick. Um, Mark Laroche said an Everest challenge, eight thousand eight hundred forty eight oh, meters of climbing. Twelve hours. Yeah, that, you'd be long more than twelve hours, wouldn't it? Yeah, it is. It certainly is. You could, do, you could, yeah, you can maybe make maybe do that over two days. It's that's not that's pretty crazy doing four thousand four hundred uh, a day for two days, but it's not unattainable. Tony Hodges has got a two k swim, forty k bike, fifteen k run, repeat three times. Mm. Uh, Gary Fegan says long course Alpdewes course as a race. Okay, and then Sam Brown's got four hour Ooh. swim, four hour bike, four hour run. God, that'd be, that'd be brutal. Four-hour swim. God, how far would you do that? When I when I did the hundred one hundreds, I think that was, I think I think it was about two and a half hours, maybe. So, if you're not pissing around, you know, you'd quite easily be looking at you know fifteen k. Yeah. Swim there. I've got an idea, John. Although, kind of mm-hmm. telling you the idea on the show kind of ruins it. But what you mm-hmm. do is you do. Maybe a, maybe a sprint or a, or an Olympic, somewhere around that distance. But you do it as time trials. So you do, everyone does a swim, but it's it's your max effort swim. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's how fast can you swim 1,500 metres? And then maybe what you get is you get 20 minutes off after that. And, and 20 minutes off as soon as the fastest person finishes, let's say. So the clock starts as the fastest person finishes. And then you've got to do a 40, 40 maybe even a handicapped TT bike. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so there's that pressure on, and you're timing everyone in each one, and then you do a 10k run. But what you don't tell them is that then they have to do it again, and it's the person who improves on their first leg, and each time <laughs> actually wins. So, or who, who, or who decreases to the least? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, so let's say because I do this, I often do this with fitness when I'm training fitness instructors, is I take them through this what I call. Uh, the 400 challenge and it's kind of these like you do 100 burpees as fast as you can and then you do 100 press ups as fast as you can but you can rest you know it's just as fast as you can and and you make it a big race and you, you really go you got to get your best effort out and all the rest of it and then once you finish you pull them aside and you put some calm music on and say guys you've done so well now you've got to beat yourself and what's really fascinating because these people think they've killed themselves in the first set 99, 99% of the time they beat themselves in their first set probably in about 70% of the movements. So mm-hmm. it's re- it's a really good kind of barrier breaker for people because actually they thought they went as hard as they could, but then once they actually have a marker and they're fatigued, they actually have the ability to beat it. So it's it's quite a good one. Now, obviously you wouldn't want to tell people about that, and you know, but it's a, it's a really good kind of... And also it just screws with you mentally because you think you've given it all and then you've got to turn it around. But that competition aspect of it works really well as well. Mm, I like that idea. I yeah. like the the Super League triple mix with Matt Young. I think those are my two favourites at this at this stage. Okay, any, any you got, or you, that's what you do for the camp? no? I was just get, I was just getting feed, feedback from other people. So uh, I like your your suggestion, and hopefully within two years people will have forgotten about it. Yeah, and I'll pull it out of my back pocket. It's a it's a great one, seriously, because it really does teach people they can go further because they've thought they've done everything, and they improve because they have a number to beat, and and also. They're all more they're all more tired when they go into the second one, so it's it's quite fascinating. Anyway, uh, John, statistic, it's fantastic. Oh, no, we're not doing this one. I'm, oh. I'm, uh, oh, it's in I, the show notes. I, yeah, well, yeah, I didn't get around to it. <laughs> okay, so I'm saving that for another day. One, two, three, coaches <laughs> corner. Corner. Are, are we doing this one? 
Yep, we can do this. Thanks, thanks. Okay, so we've got an email from Ross Little just saying good luck in the 70.3 in Hawaii. Well, we're going to find out pretty soon how well that went. I just want your um, your views about how to come back from injury or setback. Two months ago, I was out on a bike and got a horrible knee pain, and since then I've had an MRI scan and now awaiting results of the damage that I have done. Anyway, the main thing I have found out when I got my scan was that my weight has gone from 80 kg down to 74. The actual weight loss may be more as I decided to enjoy life and scrap my sporty diet for once and I couldn't do any, as I couldn't do any exercise. So I wanted to know how you think I should come back from the setback as I'm sure a lot of people who listen to the podcast have some form of setback. Ross, give a lot little. Well, thank you for that, Ross. Give a lot little. Um, look, in these circumstances, I think you've always got to focus on what you can do rather than what you can't do. Yeah. And assuming that your knee is such that you can't bike or run, you know, you've got an awesome opportunity to go out there and crank some serious swimming. And so I'd suggest you go out and find something like um, Swim Smooth, have this sort of CSS um, progression. We'll go back and look at uh, some of the interviews we did with Paul Newsom and with an E. And and go just set yourself if you if you're out for say six weeks set yourself a six week swim block and um and you know double or triple the the swimming that you've done in the past and, and try to work a bit more on your, your shoulder flexibility but don't just swim have some objectives around that so it might be okay i'm going to do a six week program and at the end of every two week little block i'm going to do a time trial maybe say a 400 meter time trial and uh, assess your progress as you go through so you've actually got some uh objectives around it and you can actually see yourself progressing so um, the other thing that I'd focus on in, in, during that period as well is, is a yoga focus or flexibility block and maybe trying to do five sessions a week you know maybe try to join up to a yoga class and do two yoga sessions per week with a class and then maybe three to four by yourself and that gives that was going to take up plenty of your time if you're swimming say five times a week and doing five yoga sessions and then doing you know maybe a little bit of core conditioning that's a pretty full week of training and you, you won't lose your overall fitness you'll lose your sport specific fitness for cycling and running if you can't do either of them but you keep your overall fitness pretty high and then the other two sports will, will probably come back pretty quickly so it's easy to throw your toys out of the cot um, but yeah as I said focus on what you can do rather than what you can't. I think one other thing as well is look for other areas of life that can give you esteem because often for us the biggest area of, of esteem is our movement and then when that can't be done we, we can get really lost and so it's not just look for an opportunity to develop myself as an athlete, look for opportunity to spend time on other things that will make me feel good or feel that I'm having value in my life and like for me it was like when I when I get injured or when I got injured when I was doing Ironman I was like okay, well let's jump on my guitar for a couple of weeks because I could never do guitar when I was playing when I was doing Iron Man because I didn't have the time and it's just we've got to look after our vulnerabilities because we can be quite vulnerable around injury time because our sport's so important to us and we don't want to get to that place where we're in a real Debbie Downer because we can't move and so just be aware of making sure you are adding other areas of life and also look for an opportunity to maybe catch up on you know like relationships you might have friends who you've neglected recently because your sport's so consuming or family time it's you know use this as an opportunity to really add value to other areas of your life which will make you feel better working through this time. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Now, Bevan, one thing that wasn't in the beginning of the show notes and that actually is included, we missed it last time we were recording, is App of the Week. Yeah, we did miss that, didn't we? We did. So this was sent through from Finn Zweiger, uh, and he sent through, it is called uh, he, uh, Headspace. Headspace. Have, you, have you used I, it? 
No. I used it. I used it for a while. I, I because I meditate for years, and uh, and I meditate. No, you have you have meditated for years. If you're meditating for years, you'd still be doing. Oh it. no, I am, right. John. Right now, even as I right. speak, I'm, I'm always I'm just in my zen. I tell you, but um, no, I, I I've always done afternoon meditation, and about a year ago, or about eighteen months ago, I use Headspace because I want to do some morning meditation. I just wanted to see, explore different types of meditation. Uh, so I, I used it for about three or four months. Joe still uses it quite a bit. I, I don't use it anymore, and I'll share my thoughts on that why in a second. But it's definitely, it, to me, Headspace, and, and like like most of those apps that you can get nowadays, so it's guided meditation, and there's a guy called Andy. He's a, he's a Pommy guy, and he kind of guides you through, and you can kind of choose your area. So you can say, I want one that works on relationships or one that works on depression or performance and so on and and you can choose your time frame so you can do 10 minutes 15 minutes or 20 minutes and he very much kind of guides you through your meditation now to me as someone who's kind of meditated for a long time it's a really good start tool um, mm. I think that if you've never meditated because a lot of people the problem with meditation is most people just feel they're doing it wrong when they first start so they never really stick at it. And meditation is one of those things that you actually need to do for a while before you kind of understand the value of it. I often describe it like running. Like people who first start running, don't, they just don't understand why you'd enjoy running. It's, it's kind of hard. It's not fun, you know. But then once you've got past that six-week period, running becomes a really valuable part of your life. And meditation is a bit like that. And that's where guided meditation can be a really good tool. So Headspace is a really good tool. But I think ultimately... After a period of time, you should work towards not using a guided meditation. I think that you should work towards finding your own practice in a way that can add value. I think there's a deeper level with your own practice, if anything. Mm. But in saying that, if you're meditating and this works for you, just continue on. But you know, it's a great way to start. Mm. And, that's, and that's why I, th- I thought, and Finn obviously thought as well, it was, a, it was a good good tool because a lot of people go, yeah, I'd like to give that a crack, but don't really know where to start. So uh, we'll have a link in the show notes and go check it out. Okay, John. Uh, we're going to do your sponsor. Athlinks.com. Tell so, me guys, get your results up there. So what uh, I'll be doing once we're, as soon as we've finished today's show is going onto my Athlinks uh, profile and I'll be putting a little link through to my result, which will be an unofficial result. Give them the link to the race results and it should uh, hopefully not take too long and they'll get it up there. So it really is a very quick process to get your results up there. Someone may have have already done it. If it's a race that's been up there for out there for a few weeks, um, then it might be up there. Uh, very very simple process get it up there and the cool thing for me then is I've got you know I forget which years I've done the races and then I can actually easily go back and compare all my kind of times rather than trawling through the Ironman website and going did I do it in 2015 or did I do it in 2012 or did I do it in 2013 go into Athlinks and I'll go boom 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 got almost 70.3 results in one place and I can go compare the times on a on a like for like basis so really simple process for you guys as well um, if you've done a race whether it be last weekend whether it be years ago and it's not up there as long as the results are still somewhere up online get on there submit them in and uh, and they'll get them up there and you keep all your results in one place on athlinks.com good times that rock and roll let's talk about these results John so let's do your race report you did 70.3 on the weekend and uh, let's just, let's, I'll let you go where you go cool so one thing I will say and I was um, somewhat apprehensive when we're coming over here is it was going to be the first time I'd experienced a rolling start 
So uh, I was going, oh, how the hell am I going to play this out? Uh, because you kind of, in the rolling starts that I've seen in the past, you can start anywhere. You can go, right, I want to be on the front line, but then you've got to line up for ages, or you go, I might want to start in the middle of the field. Uh, and so I really wasn't quite sure how it was going to play out. But what they did over here was they actually did a rolling start based on age group. So what that meant is we were somewhat fortunate that the 40 to 44 was actually going to be the first age group to start. And what they did was they'd get you all into the, sort of the, the pen area and you're just uh, waiting around in there. And then they divide you up into your predicted times. So they sort of had 20, the 25-minute group, the 28-minute group, the 30-minute group, et cetera, et cetera. And then you basically went down and lined up in four lines and they had four gates underneath the start barrier and then the hooter went off to start the race and then they had one of those you know ski racing yeah. when it goes beep 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 okay. and then in the fifth beep then you go and so every five seconds they were starting four people oh, uh, really? so yeah so you, you lined up in age group and then you seeded yourself within your age group based on your predicted time, and then you started four at a time. So I personally didn't really get to experience very much of it because we were the first wave, and I was going to be on that front line, yeah. and I, I knew the position I wanted to be, and I wanted to be on the right-hand position, and one guy was eyeing it up, and I was like, you're not getting that position, buddy. <laughs> and it's the one time John can be, let's say, a little bit rude. Let's just say yeah, <laughs> social so etiquette goes out the back door kind of just stuck around the side and I was in, in there. So I was on the front row. So for me, it was it wasn't really kind of business as usual because boom, the gun went off and uh, we were away and I was in clean water straight away and then I basically got a draft all the way around. So I didn't really get to experience it. But for, for some of the people on the camp, you know, they we started at 6.30 and they got to see us come out of the swim. They didn't end up starting until about 7.15 or so. Oh, okay. um, so the net result was um, for everybody, it was, a, it was uh, a lot cleaner swim. I mean, for the people starting behind, you did have to swim through people, mm. but people were so spread out that, you know, if you took it a bit wide, um, you should be absolutely fine. That was one benefit. Um, the other benefit was on the bike is massively different just in terms of drafting. You know, if you were drafting out there, you were drafting because you, you wanted to draft. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was, I was in the lead coming down from Harvey and, in previous years, you're coming down from there and it's just a constant line of athletes going up, um, you know, wheel to wheel, not drafting, but, you know, it yeah. is a continuous line. This time around, it was just spread all over the place. Yes, there were still lots of people going up, but there was plenty of space on the road. So I think those are two really big benefits is, A, it's a lot cruisier in the swim and you don't have the stress, and B, the biggest benefit though for me is, uh, is that there's – there's no drafting out on the bike. The obvious downside of it is you don't really know where you are on the course. Mm. Again, for, for our age group, it was a bit different because when you're on the run, you could go, okay, I know everybody in my age group started within five minutes of me, so you kind of got a bit of a feel for, for where you're at, and I knew that I had an over and a five-minute lead, so I thought, sweet, you know, nobody in my age group can beat me because I'm well, well more than five minutes in mm. front. Um, but I still like the 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 start where you're starting all together in your age group um so i, I would um whilst for 80 to 90 percent of the field and the feedback from most of the athletes on the camp is they really liked it from the people that i've spoken to who are at a pointy end that are trying to get podiums and what have you especially when they're further down the field 
didn't like the feeling of not knowing where they're at. So um, I wonder. I, the only question I have, I wonder how the people who are at the back of the field in each age group felt because they were the ones, you know, your age group, the slowest people. We're going to get bombarded quite a lot throughout the race. Now, I know you said it was quite spread out, but those are mm. the least confident people and they've got the faster people going to be coming through them. They're going to be pretty uncomfortable in that situation. Yes, uh, I would agree with that. But on this course, um, it's wide enough and it's not technical. It's lots of straight roads. That's not really an issue. If you were doing more of a downtown type course, and I think that's what Ironman seem to be doing quite well, they're trialing to trying to tailor the situation to the, to the course. specific course. Yeah. So I think it's good. So I'd say, look, 80, 80 to 90% of the field, this is a really good thing and they like it. Um, for the top-end competitors, the feedback is they'd rather sort of race, uh, race head-to-head. Okay, cool. Okay, so there's overall objectives. Yeah, overall objectives for this race. Um, my main thing, I've trained pretty hard for this race and I, and I wanted to do very, very well. And uh, my main thing was I wanted to have a, a good, strong bike ride similar to what I did down in Wanaka and then be able to have a, a, a much improved run and also retesting my nutrition plan that because I don't race very often, uh, I was a bit light on nutrition in Wanaka. And so that was one of my key objectives is really try to force the nutrition down to make sure that I had enough juice in the tank for the run. So so the swim, um, as I mentioned, the plan was to get on the front row, and that was that was happening. You know, that was uh, that was, <laughs> I was not going to not be on the front row. And looking at the swim course, I kind of knew that there was going to be a bit of drift from um, from right to left. So I positioned myself on the right so I could drift across to the left as we came towards the boy. Um, wanted to swim smart as well. I was a bit worried, thinking, you know, I there's a reasonable chance here that I might be leading the swim and, and then I'm going to have all the navigational issues with that. Mm. But thankfully, it didn't, that didn't quite pan out. Um, and then the, I think a lot about my technique when I'm swimming as well as biking and running. Um, and a big focus with these races where there's sea swims and sometimes a bit of chop, I really focus on keeping my head down. And the other technique um, aspects that I tried to work on is really trying to put my arm around the barrel, work on that front part of the stroke, and then uh, and then making sure that I'm really pushing through the back part of my stroke as well. So that's the technique things that I'm thinking through uh, as I go through the swim. Uh, as the result sort of turned out, um, I was kind of fortunate that it took off on the line and one guy decided he wanted to bash it uh, to the front. I sort of thought, sweet, just jump straight on his feet. And he towed me around probably... 1.8 kilometers of the 1.9 kilometer swim so i was extremely grateful mostly to him did you pass him at the end no no i let him leave he, no oh. i didn't do that oh, okay. um, but he did he did drop the ball a bit because we had one guy who must have started one wave behind us he swam through and i'm like get on his feet get on his feet get on his feet and he did for a while, and then it, and then I, he dropped off. And that, that was when it became decision time for me. The pace was not particularly high, and I was like, do I hammer it and try to get back on that dude's feet, or do I just conserve here and uh, accept that I'm probably going to lose, you know, maybe 30 to 40 seconds to that guy off the front? And I just, I chose to think, right, I'm going to save my energy for later in the race. That's a better investment of my energy across the whole sort of four and a half hours. Was okay. I'm going to be a bit slower here, but I'm not going to use up too much uh, juice from the tank. So I just chilled out and sat on this guy's feet the whole way through. Wasn't whacking his feet, just sitting, you know, meter off the back. And uh, so I was third out of the swim. And uh, this time I did remember to take my swim skin off. So that was good because last good time. Good to see you were improving, John. Well done. And, and I did, that was part of my race plan. Uh, did think, 
take the swim skin off, take the swim skin <laughs> off. So that was good. And again, I use, and some people think this is a bit odd, but I put on my long sleeve skins top. Um, and the reason I do that is twofold, mainly because it's a significant aerodynamic gain, um, but also it reduces the you know, getting um, sunburnt over here. So, uh, and I, and you don't actually get that hot on the bike. If I was to run in it, I think I'd get a really overcook. But on the bike, you're constantly putting water over it. You have aid stations roughly every 10 miles or so. Um, so it really was not too much of an issue for me, and uh, and it certainly saves the skin in terms of burning. So coming out of the swim, sitting in third place, feeling pretty good about things. Okay, it's interesting. It's not hot because skins is not lightweight material. Uh, it's pretty thick. It's pretty thin, and it holds the water quite well in okay. terms of you know when you pour it over it, it holds it for a bit. And uh, yeah, so I just didn't find that I already got hot. I got a little bit hot towards the end, but but certainly nothing to get too stressed about. Um, onto the bike, you know, as I said, the plan was to try to more or less replicate the power that I did down in Wanaka. So I was sort of pitching for around the 260 to 265 watt mark. Um, the other focus over here in Kona, it's a pretty rolling course and, and you can gain and lose a lot of time by cresting the hills well and getting speed up the other side. So that was really good. And, and that was a key thing that I said to quite a few of the athletes on the camp. I, I said, look, try really hard not to pump the hills but crest the hills really well and push down the other side. And they just said they were blown away by how people were just crushing them on the uphills and these guys were just cruising, not cruising, but not yep, increasing their effects significantly. And then said they just roll over the top and just catch them straight away, pass them again, and then later on those people would all just disappear. So that was a focus for me, keeping a pretty even output. And then the other key thing was to get all my nutrition in. Um, now, as I said earlier, for, for us and for pretty much everybody, it was pretty spread out. So I was solo more or less the whole way on the bike. Uh, had to be a bit patient through the early state 30k oh, wait, or so. Wait, you got the lead pretty quickly? No, it took me a while. And I was I was going, do I push to get to the lead? And uh, I could see the guys up the road. And I just thought, no, I'm just going to stick to my numbers and just keep it nice and steady. And I was pretty confident that I'd catch them. And then after about 15k's, they both started slowing down. And I think probably about the... 35 to 40k mark i hit the hit the lead and uh and then pushed that out quite quite a bit by the end of the ride so yeah going up to harvey's when i hit the lead um yeah in, my, in terms of my power output it ended up being really good you know i was about uh, nearly 10 watts up on what i've done here in kona before and i've had good 70.3 races here so i was really pleased with that um for you stats geeks out there um my normalised power ended up being 261 watts, which I was really pleased with. Um, very little, very, very little variability. Uh, average speed was 38.3 k's an hour. Um, my cadence was a bit low, only 82. Um, There's quite a bit of climbing over here, and I was sort of crunching things up a bit. Uh, but yeah, overall, bike went very, very well. Um, the only thing that was annoying is bloody heart rate monitor didn't work. Mm. God, it was annoying. Uh, it wasn't working, and I tried to adjust it. Um, and I had obviously had the I am talk top on I am talk uh, tri suit, and then I had my skins top un, un, over the top. I was trying to adjust it and bloody unhook the thing. I thought, well, that's oh, not going to get back no. off the rest of the race. So um, yeah, good even power output, and to give people a comparison, so the first um, first thirty minutes uh, I averaged uh, two fifty eight watts, and uh, and then the last sort of twenty odd minutes I was two sixty three. So I was actually built my effort a little bit towards the end so 
coming off the bike, I was feeling pretty pretty good about things and knew I had a pretty sizable lead. Um, but I was probably a little bit slack in terms of really hammering it down from Harvey. We had very calm, well, not very calm conditions, but it wasn't anywhere near as windy as what it can do. And so coming down from there, you kind of had to pedal a lot of the way. And I was just probably a bit slack it from time to time. So that was probably the one thing that I wanted to work on and my gears weren't uh, working weren't working crystal clear the whole way through so came down to the run wait so how much of a lead did you have coming off the bike uh i don't know exactly but I, i'm gonna say about five minutes i think maybe something like that it was it was pretty decent and were you a bit conscious of Wanaka? uh i was mindful of it but I, I was confident i got all my nutrition in um but i wanted to make sure that i kept nutrition going in on the on the on the run as well so focus was uh, this is a really really tricky course in terms of getting any sort of rhythm or groove going you, you're running on this golf course and you're running on the grass and when you're not on the grass you're usually on these little golf paths going up and down side to side camber going different ways you're going under these little tunnels it's really cool but you can't really get any rhythm and after about uh, maybe seven-ish k's, six or seven k's, you finally get to a stretch of road where it's maybe a k and a half down and back, and that's the only stretch where you can actually go, sweet, I'm going to get into the groove here and, and really start hammering it. So it's, you've got to be concentrating quite a bit. So my focus was really just to take it one k at a time, and I had different strategies for different parts of the course. So if I knew I was on the, the grass, you know, I was going to be focusing a little bit more on my, my cadence, um, and then when I was on the you know, the road, long road section, then I was going to go for, you know, be focusing much more on my pace and actually trying to look at my watch a bit more. So I sort of had a bit of a bit of a changing focus as I went through. And the key objective for me was to try to maintain my posture when I got smoked. I saw pictures of me down in Wanaka and I could see my hips drop down. So uh, that was a big objective for me. So luckily the first half, I had my little lead motor motorbike in front of me, lead uh, scooter all the way through and uh, felt pretty easy the first half. And I was bang out the k's around about what i wanted to be doing and second and at that stage then i saw how big my lead was i was coming back and i thought man i've got at least a k and a half lead here and so i knew i easily had the the race one for for age group and i didn't have a clue what was going on elsewhere in terms of the younger fellas and whether they'd come through because they started a lot after us okay. and so the second half i kind of I was, it just took the foot off the, the gas a bit. Um, I wouldn't say I was running easy by any stretch, but I had my oh, you mind. Weren't, you weren't up. taking a risk. No, and, and, I, and I didn't want to compromise rope. You know, you can only go really, really deep yeah. every so often. And I thought if I go ballistic here and really try to go for the overall win, um, yeah, I might get it, but at what price for rope? And, and rope's far more important to me. So I kind of focused on, right, let's just keep it steady. I knew that I wasn't going to get caught, and uh, and I had a few sh- shakes with the nutrition, so I thought I'd just get another gel in and just keep that going. So when I finished, compared to other times when I raced here, I was actually in pretty good nick. I wasn't uh, – normally I'm just – collapse over the line and try to go get a cold shower i was actually doing doing okay and and bounced back very very quickly so yeah the run went okay but it's not as fast as what i've been here i ran a 129 here and in the past i've run sort of about 127 it's a different course um but it was still a competitive run but i would have i still had if it was your a race it would have been faster exactly yeah Mm. so wait so you get across the line you're the first across the line you know you've won your age group it must, mm. must be weird when you don't know if you've won the race. 
and, and I felt like a bit of a fraud because I'm, and I, I got celebrated like I had won the race. Okay. So I came in and I got the um, a big thing of flowers around my neck and okay. do the post-race interview and do an interview with the local um, newspaper. Okay. You're a celeb. Watch out for the and paparazzi. So, yeah, and so it was that sort of situation. And I was thinking, look, I thought I've, I've had a really good ride there and I've had a good swim but I knew my run time was a bit off and I thought I wouldn't be surprised if a few of the younger fellas have taken me down here. So I was like, oh, God, I feel like a bit of a dick if I'm being celebrated as a winner and I'm not. Um, but as it turned out, I was. So that was all good. How much did you actually win by in the end? A couple of minutes. Oh, and well. thankfully, um, it was due to my bike because the guy that ended up second, I think he was 30 to 34, he drilled me on the run. He ran a 123 compared to my 129. But um, thankfully, I put eight minutes into him on the bike. But, but 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 that's almost one of the other downfalls, isn't it? Because, you know, you did win the whole bloody thing, which is pretty awesome, and mm. it was a little bit compromised because of the way the run the races ran. Like you, your well, moment was a little bit diminished. Well, no, it, it, I'd say more for the other guy. If he had won, the guy saying the thirty to thirty-four, he would have got no uh, accolades really at the finish line they might they might have been able to pick it up but he would have probably been the one that had suffered more than me i would have felt like a bit of a dick but he wouldn't have actually got his uh, time in the sun so um yeah i'd say more for him would have been would have been disappointing so have you got the big fruit bowl now because i know in your office you've got the small fruit bowl now you've got have you got the big, here we go oh look at that team i, I know we're he's got the big fruit bowl now yeah look at that Big, big salad's going to go on that when we get home. It's yeah, all good. Yeah, you can put the carrots in that one. Um, mm. Pretty cool, mate. Pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was. Uh, you certainly did get treated like a bit of a celebrity there at the finish. So it's been a while since that happened. Back in probably the late nineties. Oh, well done, mate. As you, you're getting older and get better, eh? Getting older and better. Exactly. Uh, just any other thoughts? Well, no, it might not have come through on your page there, but Dave had a bunch of questions for me, Dr. Feelgood, so oh, yeah. I thought we'd go through them. Can you see them or not? Oh, no, I'll do them. Okay, first of all, did your Epic Camp help for race prep? And I would say 100%. So you've got to think that, and this is what, what, what makes me feel better about the race, is you know, we did a lot of training last week and leading into that race. We took it pretty easy on uh, Thursday, Friday, but as you'll find out shortly, you know, we did some big mileage. So to be able to pull off that sort of race uh, was great. And the, the heat acclimation, I've said this before, is massive for our group on the camp. So when we were out there racing yesterday, yeah, it was bloody hot. I mean, I did suffer in the second half of the run, but the first half of the run, it was really not an issue at all. But had we come from New Zealand, you know, three or four days before and not done much training, it would have just been a nightmare. So, yeah, the camp, camp helped a lot for rote it helped a lot for the acclimation and getting ready for it in terms of actually helping performance on the day in terms of numbers and stuff probably not but the heat acclimation is crucial so race day conditions rolling starts we've kind of already done so let's talk about nutrition Mm. Yeah, people are always interested in this. So this was what I did uh, on race day. Get up. We had a 6.30 start, so I got up at 4 uh, and, and started having my food uh, shortly after that. And my breakfast pre-race, I have two M's bars. So she's got those fantastic bars. Uh, I'm not uh, two to two different flavors. I hung out a cranberry and a chocolate oat, and then I had uh, just an English muffin um, with some peanut butter on top, and had my extreme endurance as well. So that was breakfast around about just over two hours before. Going through the bike, I got through two bottles of Infinite, 
just um, standard go far lemon lime flavor. Um, I know Dave goes, he's, he's got his own formulation, which is a little bit less sweet. Then I also had two serves of Generation You Can on the bike, and so but I, I make them quite concentrated. So I have like a half a bottle full with two good scoops of You Can, and I make sure I get through that relatively early on the bike. Uh, so I'd, I'd definitely finish it by the time I got to halfway because once it gets warm, it's pretty vile. Uh, and then I had one goo on the bike as well. Did also carry an EMS bar, but didn't end up getting through any of that. It was just a bit too hot. And then have a caffeine tablet. So that's the bike. Two, two bottles of Infinite, um, two serves, serves of Ucan, a goo, and a caffeine tablet. And I take the caffeine tablet about halfway, uh, and that sort of kicked in quite nicely towards the end of the ride. And then on the run, uh, I had two gels, I'd say roughly maybe one at the 5K, one at the 10K, and the rest of the time was just the odd sip of Coke and Red Bull and uh it constantly through the race, so it was just uh, water on the head, drinking water, and uh, and that was that was pretty much it. Uh, when did you know you had it in the bag? Uh, at the first turn on the run, which is probably about seven k in, as I said, you kind of see. I knew they had the age group race easily in the bag, um, but the overall didn't know till later on. Uh, after party disappointing in the team we, we went out for dinner and we were all a little tired you know we're tired and then we ate too much and then everybody just wanted to go to bed <laughs> that do they have a like obviously they don't have a big function like an iron man but do they, what do they have so do a prize giving at about four o'clock in the afternoon okay. uh so you kind of like i was finished at well, eleven thirty, something like that, and then uh, prize giving's at four o'clock. But everything's really, everything's really close over here. And um, you got the bowl. Do you get anything else for winning? Like I know it's not a no. pro race. You just get your bowl. No, no, no. That was it. Okay. That was it. Uh, wax or shave? <laughs> wax. Wax all the way. I don't do either because I'm not a pretty boy. Uh, just uh, tell me what you did on the camp. Yeah, look, it's the camp was awesome. We had a great group of athletes and uh, and just worked really, really well together. And just from an organisational point of view, it's so good just seeing how much fun people have. And then when you go into a race, you're going in as a, as a team, and we're going to have this over in Rote as well. We had you know we had friends of uh, other people that turned up at the race, just turning up by themselves, just sort of staying in a hotel room. But you know we're turning up at the race, and you've had shared experiences all week and you got people out there cheering you on so we had a great time so we did um, plenty of training during the week our first day we uh, did about 60 k's of riding around uh, the Captain Cook area and had ran down Ali'i Drive down to the pier we had to cancel our swim because there was these massive waves coming in and the, the kayak company wouldn't even let us take kayaks out day two we went and rode the Ironman course in very calm conditions the calmest I've ever experienced by a long long way uh, and then had a little run off the bike and then I did a recovery swim that evening. Uh, day three, we ran the Energy Lab. So that's uh, about a 13K run from the, the the turn point within the Energy Lab all the way down to the pier. Uh, then I did a 35K ride. And then that evening, we swam uh, on the Ironman course, did two laps of that to get a sort of about a 3K swim. Day four, we swam uh, 3.6 k's across uh, Captain Cook's Monument and back and then did a great ride from Kona through to the YPO Lookout, which has got a sensational view, and that was a, a really 
enjoyable ride and then uh, didn't have time to run that day uh, the next day we did the Harvey loop so this is day five that's about a hundred and I think it's about 105 110 Ks brilliant ride so we start at Manalani and you go up to Waimea and then you take this beautiful high road which drops down into um, Harvey later on and then you ride back on the Ironman course then that evening we did a, a run swim run with a bit of skills work Thursday which is two days out from the race we do a little um, sprint triathlon from the race venue and then the day before is kind of optional did a little I did a little run swim run plus a short bike ride down to T1 and then day eight of the camp is a race and uh, did a recovery swim so we'll be doing it all again next year uh, you're going to hear a few interviews from some of the athletes but they absolutely loved it it's just the whole experience in terms of just doing the training seeing what it's all about meeting some cool people and then going to all the different places like Lava Java and the Kona Brewing Company and eating out lots and just uh, enjoying what is all good about the Big Island plus you have the race at the end and next year guess what they're doing at the 70.3 over here Bevan um, they're going to have you back to win it well <laughs> what, what they do over here actually is they um, in the transition area they have all the bike racks laid out and each one has got a past champion on it. So it's like Paul and you be Fraser and oh, Dave Scott so your and name's gonna be Chris, Chris Alf. And I was thinking, are they going to have the John Newsom row next year? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, next year the race is actually they're bringing back some Kona slots. Oh, really? Yes. So I don't feel very good about that. Do you think that Not brings very... a stronger field? Do you think it's weakened it? Uh it's definitely will make it a stronger field at the top end of each age group. Whether or not it brings um, more athletes, I don't know in terms of uh, total participants, but I think at the front end of the race, it'll be a lot stronger. Okay, good times. Cool. Um, so, I, but I think, well, no, I wouldn't say I think. I'd, I'd be very confident that the reason for that is because numbers were quite down, were down quite a bit here this year. Oh, really? And so, Again, they're using that card to uh, to see if they can just get a few more bums on seats. But it's a great race. I mean, um, but you know, I don't want to be sucking up to the the race organizer or anything like that. But it's it's yeah, it's purely a marketing tool to, to try to get more bums on seats. But if you want to get a piece of this action, um, get in touch with me via epiccamp.com. Uh, I'll have it. We're we're running a camp again next year. I haven't got the. It'll be similar to this year. So look at the refer to this year's details, and it's going to be very very similar. Um, but uh, we had a good times. So so listen to a couple of interviews. Okay, here are some Epic Camp interviews. Okay, guys, uh, I've done a right royal crap job of doing any interviews during our camp over here in Kona. We're now driving down the Queen K doing our first airport drop-off uh, post-camp. So I'm going to try to nab a few people today. And uh, in the car, in the hot seat doing the driving is uh, Dr. Feelgood, Dave Dwan. How are you feeling this morning, Dave? Pretty damn good, really. Dave loves it in Hawaii, absolutely loves it. Sitting in the back seat, so hopefully this will sound okay when I flick it over, is Matt the Albatross Young from uh, sunny Queensland, Australia. Don't know where he came up with the name Albatross, but I assume it must have been coming down a finish line, you had your arms out wide or something like that. So welcome along to the show and maybe uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from and, and uh, your sort of triathlon history. Uh, thanks, John. Yeah, Matt from uh, the Gold Coast, uh, sunny Queensland. Um, just started this triathlon coaching gig myself, actually. Just got a small little 
startup business, but it's a slow burn, but um, good fun. Um, and been probably what doing triathlon now for six years after initially started running. What was the motivation to come over to Kona? Obviously, it's a cool place to come, but what were you sort of uh, hoping to get out of this week? <laughs> um, I suppose it was the unknown, mate, for me initially. Um, never having been on the Big Island before, it was a good opportunity to um, to come and do the course as we've done. Um, I don't think I'll be qualifying any time soon for the big dance. So, um, And it was also just to see what, what I could do and, and how well I could recover each day. So expectations, yeah, we, we uh, rode the Ironman course. It was, it was over a week ago now. No, it was a... It was a week ago, um, and we had a very, very uh, mild day. It's the lightest winds I've ever experienced on the course, but you still get to, to ride the course. What was uh, your expectations, or how did your expectations meet up to, to what you actually saw out there? Uh, as you said, the, uh, the certainly the winds didn't get up. Um, there was only one day, I think, this week that it really pushed us around a bit. Other than that, it was pretty tame compared to what I've heard and seen, but... Look, from from all I saw before coming in, obviously the photos and the reports and everything, it's it's pretty much what I thought it would be. Um, the lava fields did get a little bit warm, especially on the way back into town. Um, but, mate, it, it was just fantastic. It sort of took away a little bit of the mystery for me, I suppose. And, uh, and I, I, we, we also ran the energy lab and... Uh, we did it at 7 o'clock in the morning and it was still a bit bloody toasty. They were actually doing all these roadworks over in Kona on the Queen K, so it was quite nice. We actually got to run on a brand new stretch of uh, tar seal on the side of the road, so we didn't have to deal with the traffic, and then we actually got to run on part that wasn't sealed, and so you had a little bit of uh, sort of shingle running, which was nice. But I think I heard you saying uh, when you came in from that run that you're just sort of wondering how the hell people do that run, and we did it at 7 o'clock in the morning when it wasn't that hot. Yeah, that run, I think I said to you that day as well, you've just saved me $15,000 trying to <laughs> trying to chase the Kona dream. Um, mate, that was, that was ridiculous. I don't, I don't obviously mind the heat coming from Queensland, but for me it was the, the long, slow climb back out of the energy lab um, up onto Palani. Um, mate, I've got all due more respect for the guys that do that. Um, it's, that's just incredible to be able to do that at the end of it, an Ironman. Yeah, amazing. It was awesome. And um, if we, for the Aussie listeners and stuff, how did you find the heat over here compared to what you experienced back home? Um, we're obviously just coming into winter, but we've sort of had a, a late start in Queensland, so we sort of had the same temperatures um, during the day as we've, we've had back there. But, mate, it took me probably a day, that first day where we rode down to Captain Cook. Um, I certainly did feel it. I was sweating a lot. might have been that climb that we did at the start but after that mate I was fine I didn't really notice it and didn't affect me too much. Fantastic um, and so highlights of the camp for you you know we, we did a whole bunch of rides off piss in terms of uh, not being on the Ironman course all the time did some pretty funky swims uh, didn't it? we don't do huge amounts of running um, over here so what was uh, what was the, the best parts of the week for you? Um, probably it, the whole thing would be just having the support crew there. Like, you, you, did you hear that, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> he was there most of the time. Might have gone astray once or twice, but <laughs> uh, um, you know. And all you have to do is eat, sleep, and 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 train. Um, but from a, a workout or a, 
well, training point of view, that Captain Cook swim was, mm. you know, I, I even I think I said to you as well, mate, that's probably the best swim I've ever done. And, you know, we've, we've seen some good swims back home, but that was just incredible, mm. um, that out and back. Um, mate, and you had a monument that you, you had to cite for and unlike Jimmy, I, I managed to, <laughs> to find my way across the most direct route. So, um, but yeah, some of the rides as well up top, you know, you get a cracking view. Um, of the big island um, but yeah definitely that Captain Cook swim mate it's one I'll love to do again Now you didn't quite have the, the race you hoped for um, in terms of the 70.3 but what were your sort of impressions of the race and also we were both in the, the 40 to 44 age group which went off first in, a, in the rolling start that you will have got, you guys will have heard a little bit about earlier in the show um, what were your sort of impressions of the race? Oh, fantastic. I'd, I'd definitely do it again. Um, but as you said, having us go off first at the rolling start, I'm not a massive fan of the rolling start. I do prefer the waves or a mass start, um, just being a little bit more confident swimmer. But from that point of view, it was great being up the front, knowing exactly where you were, not getting you know, too crowded on the bike or the run on the first lap. So. Um, the winds didn't get up that they predicted, unfortunately. I was, I was kind of looking forward to that, and I probably would have wanted it a little bit hotter. But, um, oh, cracking race. The volunteers were fantastic, and, and they do a great job um, organising this one. So it's definitely one that um, I'll be back to do. Don't worry about that. And uh, what's, uh, what's the plan for the rest of the year? Um, off to Fiji next week, just for a little Olympic distance, and then um, from there... Um, Chattanooga. And give the, uh, the coaching business a little plug. Uh, uh, yeah, trylifecoaching.com.au. Um, it's more aimed at getting the newbies into it and people that haven't done it before into the wonderful sport of triathlon. So, yeah, all good. Fantastic. And then go kick some ass in Chattanooga later in the year. So, uh, thanks for coming. Do you recall why we did give you that nickname, the Albatross? Um, yeah, it was the old photo on the Athlinks Prime, mate. <laughs> there, you, there you go, nice. Fantastic, good to have you here and uh, and Matt uh, dragged me home on the Ironman ride uh, we oh, did please. on the Sunday once I'd uh, decided that my head was about to explode, so thanks for coming. Yeah, and thanks for the sprays of water on the way back too, very nice. Awesome, thank you. Okay, guest number two started his triathlon career at my, one of my uh, triathlon festivals out at Pegasus and he's managed to make his way all the way to doing Ironmans and then he came out here and did the Kona camp. His name's Greg Jones, he's from Christchurch. So Greg, maybe just uh, tell us a little bit about your, I've given a brief overview, but maybe tell us a bit about your sort of speed so people can kind of get a feel for what your standard's at and then we can sort of run through a bit of the camp. Okay, um, so my last um, Ironman I did, I was just over 12 hours. That was my third one. Um, had a bit of an injury coming up to this camp, so I haven't trained super hard over the last three or four months before I come along. Got found out a little, but overall, pretty good. Where are you from originally? Uh, originally from uh, uh, England, from the UK, just north of London. And I've been in Christchurch 12 years now. And the motivation to come come over here, I'd imagine, was uh, probably Dave Dwan uh, getting in your ear, but... Uh, it, it had been on the radar for a while? Uh, yes, yeah, obviously I've heard a lot about this from other people that have come on it and said it's a bloody awesome awesome time, good test and everything, so it's just where, where better to go really, Hawaii, train with some awesome people, doesn't get better. Um, okay, so you know you got to see the Ironman course, uh, you got to do the part of the swim, you got to do the bike, you got to do part of the run, 
how did it sort of compare to what your expectations were? I think the bike course on the day that we did the full course was as hard as I thought it was going to be, hot, windy. Mm -hmm. uh, swim was fantastic. I mean, it's hard to concentrate when you're looking at fish and coral and everything. And the run the was, I think because we'd done it earlier in the camp, was very hot. Yeah. But that seemed to get easier as the, the week went on, really. And were you worried about the race? Um, you know, we did some pretty decent volume this week. Um, were you concerned about how you'd feel going into the race? And uh, how did you feel during the race? Okay. Well, originally I wasn't concerned. After the, but after the, I think it was day three of the camp, I blew up on the bike horrendously. And then um, really got a bit worried then. Yeah. <laughs> but after a day of resting, um, didn't expect much, but actually went a lot better than I thought. So it was great, really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. And um, what was the some of the highlights for you? I mean, you're going to have some highlights. You're staying out here for another five days. But uh, what were the, the sort of highlights for you? Um, Swimming-wise, Captain Cook swim. Mm. That 3.6 is fantastic, really good. And the bikes was... <laughs> getting to the end of every run was a highlight. Um, mm. And the views of most of them when we got there. And just the run-wise was the experience of being able to get on some of that you know you hear about uh, energy lab being so hot and things like that mm. but overall i think just a general highlight is just everyone helping each other mm. having a good time together it's fantastic and uh, you know um people will have heard um from my experiences from the race but you wouldn't have experienced a rolling start before uh, and and you were starting i can't remember how far behind me but you would have how did you find that for your level in terms of getting through the swim, did you get swum over? Did you swim over people yourself? And then how did it sort of pan out? And, and did you like it as an overall experience compared to, say, doing maybe a wave start? Yeah. Well, um, I before when, when I heard it was a rolling start, I was thought oh, rubbish because Ironman, every Ironman I've done is a mass starts, and yeah, you get beaten up. But I think it's great, really good. But after doing this, it was fantastic, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Didn't get swum over. People have swum past, it was only small packs, you didn't, it wasn't a big mass. And the biggest difference for that was getting into the bike transition. There was a lot more room. It wasn't that, you know, big frenzy of everyone trying to get out at once. So overall, I think it's a way forward. Mm. Um, and what was the least favorite part of the camp? We want to keep, the, keep things mostly positive, <laughs> but you know, was there any moment, anything that you went, oh, that sucked or, 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 or the hardest moment possibly as well? As I said earlier, my hardest moment was blowing up on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> that was horrendous. Luckily, those three kind guys dragged me around for the last 50k of that ride, that climb. Yeah. Um, and the only other low was a double puncher. <laughs> That's right. On the way up to just before, just it was at the turn to go up to Harvey, That's wasn't right. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, no, no lows at all. And um, had you got a, a slot yesterday for, for Ironman, do you think you would have been able to negotiate that one with your wife? I could have negotiated with my wife. I would have had to um, talk to my coach, John, and see if I'd be <laughs> capable of it in four months. <laughs> Very good. And, uh, and you're staying over for another five days, yeah, and we're... then five days in Honolulu, so uh, the bike looks like it's packed up already. Yeah, bike's packed. Going to do a bit more running and swimming. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, it was great to have you here. Thanks, John. Cheers. Apparently we're sitting in Dave's office. Dave Dwan, Dr. Feelgood, who's been uh, support crew extraordinaire as per usual on the camp and he managed to get the race done and dusted a little bit of training 
Uh, so Dave, uh, impressions of Kona this time round compared to previous years, much the same? What are you thinking? I'm thinking the island's still a fantastic place to be. The race day was the calmest conditions I've ever raced in. This flat water, really nice, and very, very little wind, and great coming back out of Harvey, full noise, no, no gears left, and big ringing, everything. Hmm. Um, you've had to come back from some illness over the last 12 months, so how's the experience for you when you know you're not going to be at 100%? You know, how did you deal with that mentally? I took uh, the leaf out of a guy's book I know called John Newsom and just have small goals. So I knew I wanted to get the swim done in under 40, which I did in 38. And the bike, I really buttoned off going up to Harvey and just conserved. And I knew the run was going to be a bit of a battle, but I wanted to make a, have a reasonably good swim, a reasonably good bike, and the rest would just look after itself, and which, which it kind of did do. So this time round, we ate at a few different venues. We uh, we went to we had one night in Lava Java. We had one night at the Kona Brewing Company. Went to a new place called Sam Choi's, which was above uh, the shopping centre in Kehoe. Went to Cafe Pesto down in uh, Kauaihai, and went to Tommy Bahamas at Mandalani. Uh, any favourite meals out there, Dave? Your, your fish and chips, you didn't manage to uh, complete your fish and chip meal last night, but uh, how about the rest? I, I love Sam Choi's fantastic view. We almost got a green flash that night when the sun went down. Didn't quite happen. Cafe Pesto, a pesto was really nice as well, so I think... Um, but Lava Java is always going to be my home away from home. Mm. Um, and the in terms of your highlights from... Uh, a support crew perspective. Um, what was uh, what was? We had a few different sessions this time round. What was uh, some of the highlights for you? And and don't <laughs> don't, don't mention this one. <laughs> Captain Cook was a highlight for sure. That'll be in my memory forever. I th- I think um, the crew, the guys on the camp, the athletes on the camp did fantastically well. I think YPO. Uh, That'll be second. I think getting everybody into Harvey and doing the Ironman course um, on up the Queen K to Harvey was um, the, the biggest one for me because um, a lot of trepidation, but everyone paced themselves really, really well. Um, everyone ate and, and, and drank what they needed to do and got back in all in one back in one piece, which was a highlight. And then going to YPO, I think everyone was just so chuffed to get across that side of the island, see a fantastic um, area. I, I think people might know, but that's where they. Kevin Costner filmed that uh, Waterworld. That's where all that was filmed. Mm. Um, there's been a, a tsunami go through the whole place. There's a lot of history over that side of the island as well. And I think people thoroughly enjoyed the ride. It was so different. You, you do get history lessons on um, on camp over here as well. Dave goes around each night, hands out a bit of history lessons. What do, what do you put in there? Well, typically, wherever we're going, there might be some history around, um, like the Captain Cook, for example. Sake, I heard the other day that he was killed. Well, we know he was killed there, but I thought his... Um, Part of his body was buried then the rest was taken back to England. But I was told that um, the natives love flesh and they want to get the bones of the people they kill because that's where the power and the spirit are. So they stripped his flesh off him and took the bones and dumped them out in the bay, in, in the bay we were swimming in. So mm-hmm. there you go. Live and learn. Learn something every day. Uh, and what's you won't be able to hear this, but I can hear all these birds around here. This microphone just picks up everything. Um, what is the plan for you from here on in? So, so well, to give you guys an idea, so Dave and uh, we had Super Jane Ward as well um, doing support crew, and they're working their butts off every day. Uh, you know, when we're out on the rides, we have aid stations. You know, roughly every sort of 30, 30 to forty kilometres. So they're leapfrogging all day, unloading, reloading, um, just in cooking. We have a few meals where we eat. And breakfasts and lunches, and so they're working really, really hard. So, 
not a great deal of time to do much training, but ticking a little bit. Uh, and then it's great to see Dave out racing. But what's the, what's the plan for you from here on in? Just just want to go back. To another highlight would be to see Coach John Newsom coming screaming down from Harvey. Big shout out get, and winning the race. I mean, and like getting online to see who won first. Newsom John first place. And I think for me, I ha- I've been coaching um, Freddie and Greg and Marie, and ha- to have them over here um, in the camp and racing was a big highlight as well. But for me, I've got four months. I'm off. I've got a roll down slot when I was racing in Taupo, and I'm off to Chattanooga in October to do the 70.3 World. Then I'm going to Busso to do the 70.3 there as well and slowly build up, hopefully be fit enough and strong enough to do Ironman New Zealand next year. And then back somewhere maybe somewhere in May? Definitely come back here in May. This, if, you, if you guys haven't been here, you've got to get your butts on a plane and get to uh, the big island of Hawaii. It's a fantastic place and Johnny, give him credit, he does a fantastic job at organising and creatively putting together a, a training plan while we're here and we cover so much so much good ground and of course you get to see me as well. <laughs> but um, the fact is it's a fantastic place to train and then everyone who did the camp does the race and they were all surprised how well they did it and simply because they've been acclimatised after six or seven days of training. We had a predict, uh, predicted times, and uh, most people went way under their predicted times. I know you didn't quite, Dave, but most people went way under theirs. Yeah, I think it's because I think they underestimate. Marie actually said that um, she heard someone say, oh, it's quite windy, and she said, this isn't windy. We've had windier days than this, and I think that's what brings them. How many people have on the podium? You um, three, 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 three on the podium, which yeah. is uh, fantastic. Out of all the guys that were here, so it's just being here long enough to get fit and healthy and get acclimatised. And um, because they, we do look after them reasonably, well. they get they eat and wet, drink really well and get lots of rest. So when they get up there for race day, they're just ready to go. Mm. Anything else, Dave? It's a lovely view here. We could probably just sit here and uh, <laughs> looking out over... That's Mauna Kea in front of us, isn't it? It is indeed. I was actually thinking a Nana Nap would be quite nice now, but I think I've got, we've got to drop some people off into Kona and get some other jobs done before we can put our feet up and have a beer. Fantastic. Well, thanks for your support as always, no, and we'll good, see you next time. OK, take care. Righto, John, uh, the Epicamp interviews are done, and we are pretty much done. Let's just do a patron. We've got two patrons. Yep, you, you, I've got the second one, and you try to think of something for the first one. Okay, wait, you so wait, I've got um... Stephen Camacho, and I thought for that, when I saw his name, I thought Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, no so doubt Stephen about it. Savage Camacho. Okay, you need to talk about something for a because I'm going to – the second one's name is David, David Winterbottom. And when you think of David Winterbottom, I think of Game of Thrones. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No. Oh, you've got to watch Game of Thrones, John. No, you don't watch TV. You just... No. I'm going to call him <laughs> King, King Joffrey. King Joffrey. Yeah. Now, King Joffrey, seriously, is one of the best characters of all time. He's this, he's this young guy who becomes a king, and he's the most evil character. Now, now David, I'm not saying you're evil, but because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Winterbottom is a place in Game of Thrones. I'm pretty sure... I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is one of the locations... And uh, so, and King Joffrey is a character. Was it was this young guy? He was just such a brilliant actor because you just loathed him. Now, again, David, this is not a reflection of you, but King Joffrey, the David King Joffrey Winterbottom. There we go, done. Nice. Lock it in. Lock it in, Eddie. Lock it in. You do have to watch Game of Thrones. It is gold. Okay, John. Uh, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. You liked it, Buffer. 
and our patrons. And we've named a couple there, but if you want to become a patron and you can get a cool nickname like King Joffrey, you can go to uh, I am Talk.me and it's all pretty obvious on the page. John, what's, uh, what's, what's the gospel from here on in? So today's Sunday over here, so we've just uh, started doing airport drop-offs, a few more today, to, um, and then it's basically for me, I don't fly out till Tuesday morning Hawaii time, so I've got to get my butt into gear and catch up on some work. Um, do you go to Honolulu so, today or tomorrow? No, we don't. We just go straight through, so oh. we, we don't have to do the night layover, which is great. So looking, well, yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of training, but mostly just catching up on work. Got a beautiful view out over Mauna Kea from uh, from our condo, so I'm going to be sitting here doing some work, go for a ride later on, and that's about it. Come back and see the lovely family and look forward to the freezing temperatures you guys have been experiencing. It's been pretty cold, John. It's been very cold, but you know what? I'm going to Paris tomorrow, so <laughs> that's the least of my concerns. We're going opposite direction. You're coming and I'm going. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, we had the Christchurch Marathon on yesterday. Um, mm. I saw quite a few listeners out there racing, which is kind of cool. Peter Colson from Australia mm. was there. Mm. Yeah. yeah I, and Stefan, Do- Stefan Dooney was there. Who He came on Epic Camp France and he came over and did the 10K. I was like, that's a long way to go for a 10K from Australia to Christchurch. Andrew Hewitt won the half. Yes, front finish. Yeah, well, it was. She was. Well, she must have sprinted a little bit early because, from my vantage point, I was doing the commentary. So my vantage point, you could see pretty much like a hundred, maybe two hundred meters up the road, and she was coming around the corner. She was already in front. She was looking over her shoulder, making sure she had it, but it wasn't a sprint to the line kind of finish, if you know what I mean. But um, still pretty impressive. I can't. I don't know exact time. One sixteen. Was it? It it was a pretty, pretty cold day. Mm. And I saw uh, Mike Phillips, who's also uh, you guys, yeah. Uh, now he's about fourth or fifth. He okay. ran a one ten, yep. so he's uh, he was the winner of challenge. No, was he second at challenge Monica? Or was... No, he didn't win it, did he? Okay. No, did he win it? No, oh. Duke Phil Thorburn won it. Yes, he was second, yeah, but he's done lots of seventy point three. So one ten, legit twenty one point one k, solid effort. Yeah, um, and lots of listeners saw lots of listeners out there. It was a pretty cold day. Pretty mm-hmm. cool day for the marathoners. Yeah, it was it was definitely pretty cool. Those big big events are so much fun. You know what I mean? When you've got thousands of people out there running, and you, when you do the start line, and you say you, you know the gun goes off, and then just people just keep coming and coming and coming. It's pretty cool. I, I do love doing that kind of stuff. So I had that, and then today is my packing day, John. I got the last of my work done. I got to pack my bags. Are you a good packer? I'm a quick packer. A quick, yeah, I'm a bit of a quick packer. Which can mm. sometimes be an unwise strategy because I either overpack or don't pack enough. So, mm. so but I think I'll be fine. And then that's pretty much the gist of it, John. Nice. Very so, good. Well, we will see you in Rote. And the, so the next few weeks, guys, we've got pre-recorded shows all the way through till we get to Rote. So uh, enjoy them. I hope you enjoyed Peter Reed last week. And we've got a whole bunch of others coming up over the coming weeks. Yeah, so very much for, I think it's the next three shows are pre-recorded. So we've done them all. We do have uh, uh, some of the great interviews we've done in the past and then we have kind of interviews of lots of other people seriously most of the shows are over two hours long got some really good content coming over the next few weeks and then John and I will be catching up together in Rote we'll be doing our Rote camp and leading towards the race and it'll be very much kind of like coverage so it's going to be very much kind of lots of coverage leading into Rote to give you a sense of what the whole Rote experience is like you know everyone in our world wants to do Rote and we're going to give you that real feel like we do when we do the Kona coverage so they'll be coming up kind of early July so game on Mm. I'm Rust. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia ka. Kia ka.